Groundhog Day is a 1993 American fantasy comedy film directed by Harold Ramis and written by Ramis and Danny Rubin. It stars Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, and Chris Elliott. Murray portrays Phil Connors, a cynical TV weatherman covering an annual Groundhog Day event in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, who becomes trapped in a time loop forcing him to relive February 2nd repeatedly. What's up everyone, it's Rick McGray, remember the name, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast and I'd like to give thanks to the people who have taken the time to sit through the podcast and listen to it and uh, I don't want you to think that it's not appreciated because it is and for the people that are new to the podcast, it's a podcast where I deep dive a movie of my picking, obviously, and uh, look at the different way, what could have been different about the film uh, with the casting choices, and I kind of gonna like t- touch on that, talk about other things too, but uh, it's all central, centered, <laughs> centered around uh, the movie that I'm talking about mostly, and my own personal things that I'll be talking about, so. And uh, so we just talk about a movie and what could have been. I've always uh, loved movies. Like I've said this, and I said it, I may have said this previously. I don't know, but I really do. I owe a lot of movie. I owe a lot of my life to movies. Growing up in the the house that I grew up in, it was kind of. It was a little difficult. It was really difficult at times. And, um... I clung to, like, movies because of the fact that they... They showed me, like, what was possible. And, you know, they showed me what I, uh... What I could strive for. And they just... I don't know. They kept me on the right track, I guess. I I just I don't know how to I just really always felt connected to them. I always liked knowing about them, learning about them, learning about the people in them. I'm a really big history buff. I like stuff like that. I like learning about about like about stuff that has happened over the course of time. People, you know. I like that kind of stuff. So this is what kinda of like why this podcast goes really good for me. Um I try to not say um so much, but it's kind of hard to do when uh when you're doing when you're doing this stuff, right? So, but that's the thing with this podcast; it's mine, so I can do what I want because I have. These noises are probably driving the neighbors crazy at this time of night, but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I could give a fuck less, to be honest with you. The place I live is like, it's just, it's fucking noisy all day, all night. Can't do a thing. 
And like I, I'm like a type of person I like to do my work, the work that I like to put into stuff. I like to do it during the day, and uh, there's nothing more fucking annoying to me than people stomping around or uh, slamming doors or like playing loud blast. I sound like a fucking really like cranky old man, but I'm I, I'm really not. Like I, I I'm okay with people playing their music and stuff, and I'm okay with people walking around, but, like, there's, like, a respect thing, you know, there's, this is, like, a, there's a lot of, there's, this is a respect thing to, to a degree, you know, like, I'm respectful of everybody, I try to be respectful of, of everybody that I'm around, I try to be, I try to go out of my way to make sure that other people are being respected as well, too, but it just doesn't, <laughs> It's not being tossed back, if you know what I mean. And, uh, I mean, that's a whole other thing. I could talk about that forever, right? Like, people really just, these particular people anyway, just really get on my fucking nerves. And, uh, this neighborhood gets on my fucking nerves. I love Dartmouth, don't get me wrong. I love Dartmouth. I love, I I love living here. It's been really good to me the last 10 years. I found some really good things here. Over the last 12 years that I've lived up here. Um, I grew up in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. I'm a small town guy. And I literally lived at the end of the world. And that's literally where I felt like I started. I started at the end of the world. And now I'm trying to like make my way across it. But it's taken 12 years to me to eat, like think about... like I've been out west, I've been to Alberta... I didn't really like the Alberta experiment, to be honest with you. It wasn't very fulfilling for me. I didn't really like it that much. Like, it was a, it was a crazy experience. Like, I do stand-up comedy. People, people know that. Some people know that. If you knew, you probably didn't know that. So I'm just assuming things now. <laughs> I should really stop doing that. But uh, <laughs> it's just. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, you know, <laughs> it ain't easy being me sometimes, you know, I just, I don't know, I mean, I talk about stuff, and I want to talk about stuff, and I want to talk about stuff, and I want to get it out, and sometimes I feel like I overshare, and then sometimes I don't feel like I share enough, or sometimes I come off as too intense, you know, like, it's just, you know, it's just, I don't know. But anyway, now that I went on my little, you know, rant that uh, didn't didn't make any sense to anybody but me, let's get uh, let's move on with to the next portion of the uh, of the uh, show here. This podcast, this podcast is brought to you by Rick Ricky Productions. So, what are we going to talk about? What, what what movie is it? I know. I know that's what you're asking. I know it's what you're asking. I didn't expect that last part, but that was dope. <laughs> oh. But the movie that I've selected for this week, uh, last week, I... 
a couple weeks ago when I posted it. I'm going to try to do this once a week from now on. I'm just going to stay disciplined and do it. To do it at the right times. I, be, I think at night's probably going to be the best time to do it because that's when everybody shuts the fuck up around here. Um, but the last podcast that I did on the episode one of what could have been with Rick McGree, remember the name, if in case you forgot, um, was The Lost Rolls of Robin Williams, which is a really, really interesting one because I deep-dived Robin Williams' uh, casting career, and uh, I learned a lot about him. I learned a lot about him. He was really a, he was a little bit more complex than people figured, thought he was. It was, people thought that, it, I think people assumed that he was just, you know, just as a wild, crazy fella, which, oh, funny enough, it was brought up on that podcast that he was um, considered for that, uh, for that film, for Three Amigos. <laughs> but, um. That was a good podcast. I had a good time doing that one. And, uh, it's, uh, it's just so, it's cool to me that I can, like, create something like this and, or think about something like this and, uh, kind of, like, bring it to light for myself, you know? Because, like I said, I've always wanted to be an entertainer. I've always felt like entertainment was, like, the one thing that I've always been good at doing. I I'm, I don't mind getting up in front of crowds of people and talking. Uh, I don't mind getting up in front of a crowd of people and singing. I don't mind playing an instrument in front of a group of people. I I love, I I legitimately love everything about the performance part of entertainment. But the hardest part about the entertainment for me, personally, and it's been a struggle for me. Throughout most of anything that I've tried to do in entertainment with any group or any community that I've been a part of has uh, been the politics. The politics is something that I I never really ever have been prepared for. And I feel like maybe I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, because it is, it is what it is at the end of the day. I'm not going to be everyone's friend. I'm not going to hold my tongue on topics and if people ask me their true opinion, I'm going to give it to them. I will never, ever, ever, ever go out of my way to make someone feel uncomfortable on purpose. I wouldn't do that. I'm not that type of person. I like people to feel comfortable around me. I like to leave a good impression on people and I like to, uh, I like people to know the real the real me that's going back to what I was saying but oversharing sometimes too much like I'm doing right now and sometimes not sharing enough but I mean I'm tired of drawing drawing these fucking lines on myself you know because it's just it's the nature of the game there's always going to be there's always going to be something that's not working in your favor or you feel that it's not working in your favor or your insecurities are going to try and trick you into thinking or anxiety or depression that like stuff that I deal with and if you're out there and you're a friend of mine and you're suffering from it too I'm here for you I'm here for you it doesn't matter if it's two o'clock in the morning message me I mean I'm still a little weird on phone calls I'm just gonna be honest but message me (laughs) 
certain people can call me for sure. Like I'm not a guy that you can really, I don't really like talking on the phone or video calls or anything like that. It's not something that I do, but I'm not even talking about what could have been right now. Well, I guess I'm talking about what could have been, what could have been in my life. If I would have fucking picked up on this shit like 15 fucking years ago and started working on this instead of waiting and waiting or putting energy into other people's things or worrying so much and just the common human experience, I guess. Well, it's not common. I mean, it might be common for some people. Some people actually look like they got their fucking lives together. They got houses, cars, money, retirement plans. Me, I got three bags of movies, three bags of old DVDs. <laughs> A couple of guitars that don't work. And some clothes. That's what I got. That's what I got. But I always, I've always felt this thing like deep down inside me, like deep down in the back of my head, in my stomach, my heart. I can feel it, and it's just like you're, you're gonna do something great with your life, Rick. You're gonna do something great with your fucking life. You're gonna do something great. You just gotta believe it. You gotta believe it yourself. You gotta push it for yourself. You can't depend on other people. Because, like, I do believe in the grand scheme of things that your biggest enemy is your best, is your closest ally in most cases, I think. I mean, I would never go out of my way to wrong anybody in anything, in anything. And like, I carry that, that principle with me throughout my whole life. I don't, I'm not trying to be like that. But when you've never felt like you've ever fit in in life with anybody, even your friends that that are there and act like friends, it's like a hard it's like a hard convincing it's hard to convince that that anxiety is not true or that insecurity isn't valid. But uh like what am I what am I doing here? Like what am I doing here? The movie that I selected for this uh podcast this time was a classic film from uh nineteen ninety-three. Um it was released February twelfth, nineteen ninety-three. The director was Harold Ramis. As I mentioned in the intro, the screenplay was by Harold Ramis and Danny Rubin. The budget for this film was 14.6, between 14.6 and $30 million. And the box office for North America was 70.9, so it was a commercial success. It was a critical success. This is a... And one of, like, one of those movies that just has one of those interesting timelines that was kind of, like, never followed up on, like... It was never, like... Mm. It was never explored again, excuse me. Um, the movie's Groundhog Day. Um, and uh, I, I don't know why I fucking... Why I fucking made that such a big deal. Like, I'd have a whole intro at the beginning of this before this fucking starts that explains what the movie's about and who starred in it. 
And I sit in here and I try to build up the suspense. The suspense. I try to build up the... Try to build up the suspense. Try to build up the suspense. And it's like, people already know what the fuck you're talking about. And then you just go on like a fucking 15 minute rant about your your shitty life that nobody gives a fuck about. And you're going away from what you're supposed to be talking about because you can't stay on topic on anything because you got fucking... Uh, I just wish Ricky would shut up sometimes. Like, you know, I wish he would shut up sometimes. Seriously. Ricky is my my alter ego. <laughs> but it's actually my real name. People always ask me about my name like uh yeah, you say your name's Ricky. Is it uh is it short for Richard? Nope. Nope. No it's not. But the couple of Richards that I've met in my life have been pretty pretty cool people. Well, is it, is it, uh, uh, yeah, I've got all of them. I've got Ricardo, that boss that called me Ricardo for ages. It used to drive me crazy. But back then, when I was that young, I just knew how to hold it in. <laughs> now they call me, if they call me Ricky, I'm like, you don't want to meet that guy. That's exactly what I say to them. Like, you don't want to meet that guy. If you meet him, you're not going to like Rick. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say to you. But getting back to Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day was a was a uh, commercial success. It was a very interesting movie, like a movie about being stuck in a time loop on the same day, like kind of like pushing on those lines of like does time exist? Um, the normal routine that you can get it stuck into each day, living each day, meaning like each day just turns into one day. Everything's the same, no matter what, every day. It doesn't matter that it's Groundhog Day at the end of it for me in that movie, I don't think. I think it was just about a bigger lesson about not getting stuck in your ways because, like, the character that Bill Murray plays, Phil Connors, is, like, so stuck in his ways. He's such an arrogant motherfucker. And, like, you don't you don't even want to, like, like him in the film for the first little bit. But then as you start to see his life kind of unravel a little bit, as a result of what's going on, you kind of start to have a little bit of empathy for being in a shitty position. Because I think we all have empathy for people that are in shitty positions. I really do. And uh, I think that's something that's that's definitely needed in uh, in our lives, right? And, like, we can learn these lessons. And, like, that's what I'm saying when I talk about movies. Like, I've learned these lessons through these stories and these these minds. And it really has switched up a lot of stuff for me in my life. It really helped me out. But what was uh, interesting to me about this film when I did the deep dive on this one was sometimes you, like, look up certain films and they got, like, you know, three or four different type of actors. And usually what I've noticed as a trend in the stuff that I've been doing is the actors that are on, that are, there's actors that are, like, kind of, like, how do I say this? They're like together. They're always like they're always huddled together. Like they're certainly in a little group. They're fam- familiar groups like Bill Murray and uh, the actor that that was originally going to be offered Groundhog Day, but Harold Ramis um, really rallied to not have this have 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 
uh, anyone other than Bill Murray. Like how you hear about like Leonardo DiCaprio and Joaquin Phoenix, like they're always at the the names and the casting of movies when they're casting when they're in mind. It's usually that type of actor that they're looking for, like a Brad Pitt, Leonardo, Toby, Maguire. Toby Maguire's terrible, but I guess it helps to have friends. <laughs> Definitely fucking helps to have friends, but anywho. The person that they, uh, but this film, and there's usually, like, from all the different characters, there's usually, you know, other options, like, for each specific character. But this character, these characters were pretty much, like, like, Andy McDowell, Chris Elliott, they were pretty much who they wanted from the beginning to be in the film. And uh, what the production company wanted originally when they were talking with Harold Ramis was they wanted um they wanted a star that was going to be a box office draw because they didn't feel that Bill Murray could pull in the numbers that they needed to do uh, which I think is like crazy because if you look at the movies that Bill Murray's been in I mean had they all been commercial successes maybe not but like if you watch those films they're really good films including this one including Groundhog Day Groundhog Day. This is a really great film. But the person that they thought, here I go again, building suspense, but for no fucking reason, but here we go. Um, the person that they wanted to be in the film that was originally pitched was Michael Keaton. Like, that blows my mind. And Michael Keaton and Bill Murray are, like, in a group where, like, when films were being casted those guys names always came up on it like on the same on the same uh for the same roles and uh like for another one bill murray was originally supposed to play batman in 1989's batman that was actually the movie that you know launched michael keaton's career and um He was a big star after that, and he was he was just coming off Batman Returns, and uh, he he was a big star. He had they were and, and it was like I think I feel like Groundhog Day was like what it would have been for if Michael Keaton would have did this film. It would have been a feeler film to see how much of a how much of a response he actually has from the people who go into the movies and, like, what what the box office would look like with him being, you know, the title role of the, the like, the main, the main role of the film and also not uh, a superhero. He wouldn't have been a superhero in this film, which I don't think... I don't think that makes a that makes a difference. Like I don't think Michael Keaton needs to be a superhero in all the films that he that he that he's in. Because if you watch his his uh his group his uh his uh his vault, I guess for lack of better words, I fucking hate saying lack of better words. Fuck that gets on my nerves. But his vault of movies, like his his. His credits speak for themselves, like, as far as when it comes to films, like, he's played, 
it's not that like he's played dramatic characters he's played comedic characters he's played terrifying characters he's played evil characters like Michael Keaton is a very very dynamic actor one of the most underappreciated under underrated mostly because I feel like he just didn't play by Hollywood's rules so much and I think it was more about films that were close to his heart at the time and uh like you look at Groundhog Day as it is and you kind of like think to yourself like there's no way that this could have been any different or any better. But think about this, though. If you would have had Michael Keaton playing Phil Connors. I don't... The only thing that sticks out to me about what could have been with Michael Keaton as Phil Connors in Groundhog Day is the fact that um, I feel like Michael Keaton is too scary. He would have been too scary. He would have been too tough, he's a little too, he's a little, he's a little more grittier, and I don't know if he would have been able to have that, that, uh, reinvention, like Bill Murray had as the character, because I feel like coming out and how he would have, Michael Keaton would have had to be, I feel like he would, him, he would have never recovered going forward in the movie like I don't know if people would have felt as bad for him because he is a force he looks like a pretty tough guy he looks like he couldn't handle himself whereas I'm not saying Bill Murray can't but Bill Murray looks like looks like the guy like you know he looks like that type of guy he looks like a weatherman he looks like an unassuming he looks like that cool guy that you just see at work and you all the time and he's got like his own wild crazy ideas or He's just a grumpy guy that sits in the corner and doesn't talk to anybody. That's me at work, by the way, if you ever work with me. I'm the grumpy guy that sits in the in the corner. I'm also the troll under the bridge, if you will. If you live on top of me and you stomp your feet, I will yell at your ceiling, at your floor. I will do that. Michael Keaton could definitely could have done, what like, Groundhog Day. But I feel like the film would have not been as successful with him in it just because of the fact that people would have expected a different kind of film. If you catch my drift on that, like they would have, I think they would have expect more from him because like I feel and I feel like that's an unfair pressure that's put on action stars or action actors that they're not able to switch and like move it like they kind of get pigeonholed into into the people thinking like, oh, well, like for, for example, Paul Walker or Vin Diesel, they're like, they can only make movies that involve fast cars. Well, obviously Paul Walker can't rest in peace. Um, and obviously Vin Diesel can't make uh, movies at all. <laughs> and I'm not going to apologize for that. Vin Diesel, if you hear this, <laughs> I think, you're one of the worst actors that's ever lived. <laughs> and uh, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that you tried to rally the Oscars to uh, be nominated for playing Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, that's that. And think about that. Vin Diesel nominated for Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy for saying one fucking word, one sentence. 
the whole film, the same sentence, the whole film. What kind of range does that take? And the only one that understands you is the little raccoon. Nobody else understands a fucking, or has any clue what you're saying. They just hear, I am grouped. That's all they hear. It's ridiculous. You know, that's where I kind of feel like, you know, like there's a good example, a good comparison, Paul Walker, Vin Diesel. If you wanted, if you put those two in Groundhog Day, no, you can't do that because Michael Keaton's way better than fucking Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel sucks, man. Like I should get a fucking t-shirt that says that. <sighs> Excuse me, but he does. He just, he's the worst. Like he's not, not good. He's like good in one film, maybe. Like I'm gonna have like a a, a pod a podcast like what could have been like sometime like I'm just gonna have a what could have been podcast and what could have been life been like it, if Tom Cruise never existed you know what I mean I could talk some shit about some people but I'm not gonna do that right now tonight I just feel like getting back to but getting back to uh you know. Sorry, I just got lost in that Vin Diesel thing. Like, it really, it, it really, uh, <laughs> it really fucking gets him. Okay, obviously that was just like a sound bite that I didn't know what the hell it was going to sound like. And, um, that was just to break that thought. But like I was saying, I think that the und- there would be more pressure on the film to be something more than what was created and I feel what was created was already great like amazing even but it would have been lost in the opinions of critics and moviegoers because of the fact that they have this idea sometimes about actors that kind of overshadows their performances before they even get a chance to show them and that's that's what I feel like what would happen would have happened with Groundhog Day had Michael Keaton been it. Michael Keaton could have done a, an amazing job. Michael Keaton for a lot of viewers, viewers or listeners, whatever, if you're listening, <laughs> Michael Keaton was actually a stand-up comedian in the '80s, and they say that he's like one. He was one of the best of his time in the '80s. He was re- he was a really well polished comedian. Which, I mean, that doesn't really surprise me. I mean, I, I could kind of see it. But Michael Keaton is a scary motherfucker. Like, he just got that look on his face of, like, I I could kill you and not even feel bad about it kind of thing. And, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just, I think that, uh, I definitely think that the film... I, I don't think the film, like, I, I'm not even trying to sound like I'm trashing Michael Keaton here, but it's like, you have to understand my point on the pressure of, of, of an action star. It's a real fucking thing. Like, people will just get it in their head, oh, this will be this because, uh, like, it's going to be like a cop movie because Michael Keaton's in it and he's been in a lot of cop movies or, you know, stuff like that. Um...
I love that. I hope I'm being so loud right now that these people up above me are like can't sleep. Like I really don't give a fuck right now. Like I'm so fucking fed up with. I'm so fed up with it today because like I tried to do this cast all fucking day. I worked on this all day, and uh, now you now I can sit around and kind of like fuck around with it, but and you know if I'm coming off as like uh as negative or if I'm complaining a little too much who gives a shit like that's what I think what we need to start doing is like if you really don't like listening to it just don't listen and then but you can give a little piece of advice about why you're not listening or why you're not why you're not interested kind of thing that that makes a big difference to people But, so, at the end, like, like, for me with this, like, talking about Michael Keaton, talking about Bill Murray, uh, actors that are very equal in talent, um, they kind of match up really well. If it was, like, a fight, they would match up really well. And, uh... But Michael Keaton would have been way too scary. Like, way too scary. I don't... I don't think that he... I don't... I just... I think that... And I think that would have been, like, a deciding factor. And I don't think that... Rock, that uh, Groundhog Day would have been... A sleeper hit like it was. But the funny thing... About Groundhog Day was... The year that it was released... It was released... Like, 1993 is credited as one of the best... Years ever... In film history. And, uh... It's, uh, like... Because so many films were released at this time. And, uh... I think that's, like, something that people tend to forget about the early 90s. Like, this is when films were in their heyday. The peak of, like, everything was new. Nothing was a remake. And if it was a remake, it was, like... Only wasn't as popular as the like the remake culture that's happened right now, so like in nineteen ninety three like let me just give you a couple let me give you a few examples here of like the films that Groundhog Day was up against and was still able to be a the fourteenth highest grossing film of nineteen ninety three It was released the same year as Mrs. Doubtfire, Sleepless in Seattle, Homeward Bound. The Fugitive, Indecent Proposal, Philadelphia, Dazed and Confused, Cliffhanger, The Piano, Nightmare Before Christmas, Demolition Man, and Army of Darkness. Just, just to name a few. What people don't know, like, once I did a little bit of a deep dive on this one, what I learned about the film was that it was kind of, like, tragic what happened with this film behind the scenes because, like, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray were best friends and worked a lot throughout the 80s and made a lot of good films like Stripes and other things. Harold Ramis is, like, one of those people that's just, like, so underrated, so underappreciated. I wish people would know more about him. I wish that we talked about people like him more. 
to let people know kind of like what a good bar for comedy is. Harold Ramis wrote some of the greatest uh, movies that you'd ever think, you know, like he was responsible for the Ghostbusters universe. Him and Dan Aykroyd came up with that concept, which a lot of people don't realize, which is fucking crazy to me. Um, but that lineup of films in 1993 that I just read, like, that is insane. As All those films, think about that. Mrs. Doubtfire, arguably Rob Williams' biggest film, Sleepless in Seattle, one of the most uh, renowned romantic films of all time. Homer Bound, a classic kid's tale of the, of the animals, like getting lost in the woods and making it home. The Fugitive, that was a remake. <laughs> The Fugitive was a fucking remake because The Fugitive was popular in the 60s and the 70s and then they brought it back for a movie with Harrison Ford which kind of like, I feel like kind of reinvented Harrison Ford at that time. In Philadelphia, I had a conversation earlier about this. I have a conversation about this all the time with Philadelphia. Tom Hanks won Best Actor for that film that year but that's bullshit. Denzel Washington should have won that year. He was the, the focus of that film. Tom Hanks was like a best supporting actor at at best, but he didn't deserve the fucking he didn't deserve the uh all the credit that he got. He just didn't deserve it. And uh Days of Confused obviously like a huge film made uh Matthew McConaughey put him on the map, put Ben Affleck out there a little bit. If we Ben Affleck's like that fucking rash that just won't go away. Cliffhanger, Sylvester Stallone film. I never seen the piano. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, classic Tim Burton cartoon, and Demolition Man. In the COVID times, Demolition Man is like, it's it's fastly becoming a cult classic. They're talking about making another one. So, an Army of Darkness. I never really got into that one, like I said, because I don't. Uh, I don't really like horror movies that much. But what was sad about Groundhog Day? was the fact that Ramis and Murray this was like one this was like one of the first films that Harold Ramis was given the ability to direct and he thought working with Bill that they would still be able to click artistically like they had throughout their early career but once Bill was working for Harold it turned for the worse because Bill Murray apparently is very hard to deal with on set, which I don't know if that's true, but I've read a lot of reports that that is true. And Bill Murray, if you ever hear this by any, because he's he's random, he could hear this. And Bill Murray, if you hear this, I'm one of your biggest fans in the world, and I don't like to think that that is that is true. And if you hear this, send me a message through Anchor, telling me off, telling me to go fuck myself if I'm if I'm wrong. But that's what I read, and uh, it was mostly about how they wanted to approach the film. Ramis wanted to keep it comedy. And uh, Murray wanted to go and focus more on the philosophical events of the film. Um, another thing about 1993, it was considered the year of the family film. And it was seen as a potential sleeper hit by the, by the production companies, but they weren't sure. They didn't know if it was if it was going to be anything, which we now know it was. It was 
I mean, I got 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, you know? It's got to stand for something. It's got to stand for something. I'm loving this. I really, like, I think that I should come alive more at night and uh, and inconvenience these motherfuckers like they inconvenience me. I know I've been talking about them quite a bit, but maybe this could be something that I could talk about on here just to get it out. I don't need to talk to people, other people about it. I could just talk to the world about it. Because I've already said, I've already screamed it enough times. Like, I'm here. I'm right down here. So, if you ever want to talk, we can talk about it. I think it would have been an interesting film to, like, if they would have went on with the philosophical, philosophical parts of it, like, with being... Like, how life can get stuck in the time loop, like I said before, and how things just become routine and everything just keeps just staying the same, staying the same. And you kind of get lost in that autopilot zone of life, which is, like, something I'm really afraid is happening to me. But I really don't want it to. And I can understand why Harold Ramis wanted to keep it about comedy. He wanted to make a lighthearted picture that people could watch, families could watch, and all laugh together. He was definitely thinking of it from a wholesome standpoint, I'm sure. But it's unfortunate that this was the film that led to the deterioration of Harold Ramis and Bill Murray's friendship. They never talked after this film was done, even though it was the second biggest opening for a film in the winter. Which, I mean, is pretty cool for them. Pretty big deal. Um, Bill Murray didn't go to the premiere. He chose to sit it out and not pay attention. Because of the conflict that he had with Harold Ramis. He didn't like the film that was made. He didn't like... what he, He just did it basically because he had to at that point. And like I said, Bill Murray, huge fan. If you, if you hear this and you think that I suck, please, I need, I need the listens, so people would listen to a podcast where Bill Murray has sent me a message telling me how terrible that my podcast is, and maybe he would even tell me why Michael Keaton wouldn't have been uh, good (laughs) for that role, right, but in the end, when it comes down to it, I think that Groundhog Day was meant made, I think it was a smart decision on whoever's part, whoever had the last say to green light to whoever was between those two pieces of paper, like do you push Keaton ahead or do you push Murray ahead? And I think they made the right choice by going with Bill Murray. It made it just such more of a genuine film, unexpected, an unexpected delight that I don't think that it could have been with... um Michael Keaton, but, you know, like I say on every cast, wrapping this up, and I thank you for listening, it's always good to, to, you know, know, or question, it's always good to question things, that's what people are like afraid to do these days. Don't be afraid to question things. If I could do anything for anybody in this world, that would be the one thing that I would want people to remember the most is 
Always question things. Don't worry about so much about the reaction because living safe is good, but to a degree it's not worth it <laughs> because you're not experiencing or feeling what it is to like really be alive. I feel like confrontation is somewhat needed in our society to a degree. Good confrontation. But I don't think that you should just go out there and cause trouble for no reason. Here I go digressing again. But, like I said, with the films and, like, the whole point of this podcast, it's always good to talk about, you know, what could have been. (laughs) Again, I really thank you for uh, sitting through here and listening to this jambled mess of complaining and and uh what and what what my pod, what the podcast is and what my problems are in my life um thank you again and thank you for listening so until next time everyone thank you for listening to another episode of what could have been with Rick McGray Please like, share, follow, subscribe. Send me questions. You can find me on all social media platforms on Facebook at Rick McGray, on Instagram at Rick McGray, and on Twitter at Rick McGray. I'd love to hear from you and thank you for listening today. <laughs>